I want to say a couple of housekeeping things before we jump into the message this morning. Uh, First of all, if you are visiting here, uh, you may not know who I am. My name is Anthony McPhail. I'm one of the associate pastors along with John Horton here. Our senior pastor, Tim, is out of town today. I promise you that it is never, ever, ever my intention that I uh, go straight from singing to preaching. Uh, But our regular worship leader, Ashley, is out today, and I could only negotiate with my wife to sing two songs today, so I had to (laughs) sing the rest of them. Um, But thank you to her. Uh, Thank you to Cam Moat playing bass. This is first time up here with us today. Did a great job. And also, a special word of recognition, Thomas Held. Where did Thomas go? Thomas might have disappeared to grab a drink of water. Thomas is our electric guitarist. He has been... Uh, more faithful in his attendance to be on stage probably than I have uh, over the course of the past few years. He is incredibly committed. He is about to transfer off to school, uh, not going too far away, so we'll still see him some, but his regular weekly participation will diminish, and so we're going to miss him. I think today is his last day before he heads off to school. So if you see Thomas, give him a high five and uh, thank him. Well, uh, today is the first Sunday of the new year. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Oh, I just asked for that. That was great. Um, Tim, our senior pastor, as I mentioned, is out of town today. And if you were here at the beginning, you heard John announce that today is the day. If you were here today, you can brag for the entire year and you have an opportunity for the whole year to be here every single Sunday. And our senior pastor has missed the first Sunday of the year. (laughs) So uh, John and I are going to talk to him in the morning and see if he has a bulletin to uh, say whether he was at church this morning. We're not really going to do that. He is uh, away uh, with a deserved break post-Christmas. And so uh, we're going to launch our new series, and he'll be here to pick it back up next week. But our new series is called Struggles, which you see on the screen. And Struggles is something we all can relate to. It's something as we begin the new year, all of us can relate to having some sort of struggle in our life, either currently or something that we've moved through, we all can relate to having struggles. And as we jump into this series, one of the things that we're going to do is we're not just going to talk each week about the struggles that we have with no way forward. What we're going to do is each week we're going to take a struggle, something that might be common to a lot of us, and we're going to pair it together with the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit comes to us from Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. We've got that up on the screen, and uh, we'll read through that together. But the fruit of the Spirit, say this with me, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against things like this. And that is our starting point. Every week we will turn to one or more of these fruits of the Spirit, and we will use them to guide us as we move through our own individual struggles. And when I was growing up, there was a song that I learned. Y'all can sing along if you know it. But the verses went like this. Fruit of the Spirit's not a banana. Anybody? Anybody? I'm getting blank stares. Fruit of the Spirit's not a banana. I got a, I got a nod. Fruit of the Spirit's not a banana. Fruit of the Spirit's not a banana. If you want to be a banana, then you might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the Spirit. All right, and there's the good part. You get to the chorus, and it goes, because the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Oh, oh, 
Y'all are like leaving me on my own here. Can you put the words back up on the screen? All right, so we'll, we'll try it again. So it goes like this. It goes, because the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Oh, oh. And every time I hear this verse these days, it gets to the word self-control, and it is not a however many syllables that is regularly. It is control, oh, oh. Every time I hear this verse, I think self-control, oh, oh. Unfortunately, they're not giving me the sermon on self-control because I would make that joke the entire sermon long. But today we're going to talk about faithfulness. The struggle is consistency, but we want to move beyond that struggle of being inconsistent into being faithful. And as we begin the new year, inconsistency is a very appropriate uh, thing to begin with, a very appropriate struggle to begin with, because how many of you have made New Year's resolutions? Anybody? All right, we got, we got a few. We got a few. Uh, how many of you did not raise your hand because you've already given up on day four? Any, anybody? All right, so New Year's resolutions is one of those things that a lot of people make and a lot of people struggle to keep. They struggle to be consistent with it. They struggle to be faithful in their commitments that they said that they were going to make. In fact, I told this story to some of you last year at a dinner here at the church. My wife, Emma, was sitting with our senior pastor, Tim, and his wife, Delia. And they were sitting there, and they got into a conversation about New Year's resolutions. It was around that time as the calendar was about to turn into 2014. And Tim got really excited, and he wanted to share with Emma all of his New Year's resolutions. And she just completely shut him down. And she's like, if it's really that important to you, why don't you begin now in December? And, and just started going through, you know, I, I think resolutions are overrated. They, they are just promises that nobody ever keeps. If you really want to make a change, you just need to make the change and go with it. And, and so we joked last year that our sermon series ought to be called, You're Going to Fail, Don't Even Try. And uh, we, we didn't actually go with that. We went with struggles instead, which, of course, is much happier, right? So struggles particularly the one that we're dealing with today of inconsistency is something we all can relate to because I think there have been times in all of our lives where we said, I'm just not being as consistent as I would like to be. I'm not faithful to this commitment or I'm not as faithful in my walk with the Lord as I would like to be. And so by looking at that fruit of faithfulness, we can find ways to move forward when it relates to our inconsistencies. And here, here's the good thing about talking about struggles. A struggle, by its very definition, means that we keep fighting. If someone is struggling with something, they haven't given up yet. And so this morning, as we jump into the struggle of inconsistency, if you feel like you've been inconsistent and you're struggling with that, the good news is this is something that we can fight through together. And we're going to turn to God's word and let it speak to us about what it means to be faithful. Well, for the scripture that we're going to look at today, it comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And the words are going to be on the screen, and they're also in your message notes in your bulletin this morning. I'm going to read this for us as we go into God's word. And I believe in these three verses, there's a lot of real power about what it means to be faithful. And there are a few things that I believe that the writer of Hebrews speaks to us even today that show us ways that we can be faithful in our lives. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders 
and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorned its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the truth that's found within it. And we ask this morning that it would speak to each one of our hearts. Into the midst of our own struggles with inconsistency or other ways in which we lack faith. Lord, let this passage, which speaks of ways to be faithful, let it speak to each one of us and guide us in our own walk with you. Through Christ our Lord we pray, amen. Well, there are, I believe, in this passage, five very quick things in these three power-packed verses that stand out as a way to be faithful. The first is, I believe that the first thing that the writer of Hebrews calls us to in chapter 12 is to follow good examples. It begins, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And what he is saying to the people that are receiving this letter is, you have good examples that you can follow. Since you are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, and then it goes on from there to unpack what it means to be faithful. Now, what happens right before this? The witnesses that are being referred to here come from Hebrews chapter 11, which is called by some people the Hall of Fame of Faith or the Hall of Faith. And it is all these stories, these quick little one-liners about all the great heroes of old, people of the faith throughout the entire history of the nation of Israel. And, and it goes through and it talks about a lot of them. For example, it mentions Noah and how he acted in faith. And despite the fact that people around him were criticizing what he was doing, he stayed focused on God and kept his faith. Abraham was in another land and he left everything he knew to go where God had called him and entered into a covenant with God. Sarah, his wife, even though she was barren, believed with faith the truth that God was going to bring them a child and that child was going to be a, an heir that was going to lead to the descendants of a mighty nation. There was the Israelites, the entire nation of Israel is mentioned in chapter 11 for when they crossed the Red Sea by faith. And then uh, it goes through several others. And then one of my favorites is in verse 32, I, I guess he started running out of parchment to work with. He says, what more can I say? I would run out of time if I told you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Listen to this. Through faith, they conquered kingdoms, brought about justice, realized promises, and shut the mouths of lions. Pretty cool stuff. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, since we have been surrounded, since we have seen the faith of all these that have gone before us, we too can have that same kind of faith. And so he lays out in the, the sections that follow what that faith looks like and how to get there. And I believe that starting with good examples is a great way to grow in our faithfulness in our own lives. I remember when uh, my wife Emma and I were dating, we were, I was working at a church in Athens, and 
there was a, an older gentleman who was an associate pastor there, and he and his wife kind of became extra parents for us as we were dating. And they, they would take us in, and they would feed us, they would love on us, and then they would feed us some more, and then they would feed us some more. And it was, it was a great, great relationship. And we were spending time with them one time, and we just started talking about their marriage and how much we respected them and the love that they showed for each other. And, and Wiley, the husband, he talked about how one of the things that they do to nurture their relationship is that his wife has to get up really early to go to work. And he doesn't have to be up until much later than that. But he would wake up with her every single morning and spend time with her. They would, they would sit around together. They would talk together. They would drink coffee together. They would do breakfast together. And it was just this beautiful story about how their relationship was nurtured through that simple act. And we were sitting there thinking, wow, that's a great example for us to follow after. We haven't done that in our own marriage. But... Uh, we thought to ourselves, that's a great example of how to nurture faith and, and how to nurture that love for one another. Uh, those of you who want to get into exercise, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll turn to somebody that we respect and try to see what example they have set. I remember there was a 5K going on in Athens several years ago, and one of my roommates was incredibly disciplined with his exercise regimen. And so I said, I want to do what you do to get ready for the race. And he said, well, what's your goal for the race? I said, I just want to finish. So I don't care what my time is. I just want to make it through the whole thing. And he said, okay, here's what you do. And he gave me the plan. And it was day by day over the course of the next month, everything I was going to need to do in order to be ready to run the race. And the day of the race came and I completed one mile out of three. Uh, because I had not been faithful and consistent in following that plan. But there are many people that I can look back on in my life and say, they gave me a good example to follow. My faith has been strengthened by following in their footsteps. And one of the things that I treasure is that I have been at Martha Bowman long enough that I've had the chance to work under uh, Bob Moon, Jay Harris, and now Tim Stephan. And I have to say this while Tim's not here because we don't want him getting too big of a head. But each one of them, and also John Horton, who's been here all along, have modeled different things to me through their faith. They've modeled different things through their leadership style. And I've grown from following those good examples. And as we, we think about our inconsistencies in our own life, one of the things we can think of is, is trying to picture in our mind people that we see that are consistent, people that always come through, people that are faithful, people whose faith in God we admire and look to them as the people receiving this letter, the, people, the Hebrew people receiving this letter as they had the great stories of old and examples to look back upon. The second thing that the writer calls the people to do, uh, I like to call this get rid of the roadblocks. If you're going to run a race, You've got to get rid of the roadblocks. You've got to get rid of the things that are going to keep you from completing the race. And for the writer of Hebrews, it's sin. He says, throw off the sin that so easily entangles so that you can run the race. Get rid of the sin. Get rid of the roadblocks. Because that is such a huge contributor to inconsistency. For example, if 
I want to move forward in my goal to lose weight, yet every single time I eat a salad, my reward is I get a blizzard from Dairy Queen. <laughs> I'm going to have a hard time moving ahead with my goal to lose weight. If I want to grow in my faith, and part of the way that I want to grow in my faith is by waking up each morning and reading scripture and spending time in prayer. And the very first thing I do each morning is go to ESPN.com or Facebook.com or pull out my phone and start scrolling through whatever is on there. Then I'm going to have a hard time getting to my goal of being more faithful to God. And it's that, that sin. Now, some of those things aren't necessarily sinful, but when we become double-minded, when we start having competing allegiances, it's hard to be consistent. But there are also darker sins that keep us from achieving our goals of being faithful or, or achieving whatever goal it, we might have. I remember there was a guy that I, I met with, a college student, several years ago, and he was just a, a dynamic guy. Uh, I really respected him and his faith. But after a while, he started to kind of fade away. And he and I were supposed to meet once a week. It started being less frequent than that. It would be every other week or sometimes every three weeks. And I, I started to hear stories, you know, about how he'd kind of gone astray. And one day I was meeting with him, and I said, hey, how do you feel about your faith? And he said, I, I don't really feel great about my faith right now. And I said, well, what is it do you think that's keeping you from growing in your faith? And he said, actually, there's something I need to tell you about. And it was something that was, that was dark in his life that no one else really knew about. And through that act of bringing that out, of throwing off that sin that was entangling him, it, it made this huge difference, and he was able to start growing in his faith again. And a lot of times, <clears throat> we struggle to move forward in our faith to be consistent people because we have something that we're hiding behind closed doors. Now, the third thing, in addition to throwing off the sin that so easily entangles, I believe that the writer of Hebrews calls us to move forward sustainably. And he uses the word perseverance. Throw off the sin that so easily entangles so that you can run with perseverance the race marked out with you. Perseverance is important. And any long distance runner would tell you that, that part of running a long race is having the ability to pace yourself, to do each mile correctly, to not try to do too much in the first part. And I remember uh, hearing a story one time about John Wooden. Some of you may have heard this before. A legendary college basketball coach who at, at UCLA won multiple national championships. And his former players, a lot of them would always talk about what he did their very first team meeting at the beginning of their freshman year. They would walk in and they would be sitting there going, we're about to learn and have practice with this legendary coach and the very first thing he did was he taught them how to put on their socks and shoes he said this is the way you put on your socks and he would walk them through it very carefully and he would say you want to get the wrinkles out here and then he would tell them 
this is how you put your shoes on. This is how you tie your shoes. And this is how you tie them in such a way that they will not come untied. And the point was this. He said, we're going to be moving around. We're going to be doing a lot of things. We're going to need good traction. If we get this part right, the rest will take care of itself. And it was so important to focus on that little thing, on that one thing that they, they could do with focus and intentionality so that they could pace themselves so that it would help in all the other things that they were going to do. Uh, I remember one time I was talking to a guy, I really respected his faith a lot, and I was explaining to him, I just feel overwhelmed. I'm trying to do this, 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 and this. I'm, I'm trying to pray X number of hours a week. I'm trying to read this many chapters of the Bible a week. And, and he said, I think your problem might not be that you're not committed. I think your problem might be that you're trying to do too much. You don't have a sustainable pace. And so what he said is, is why don't you spend just a few minutes reading scripture, a few minutes praying, and then let it build up from there. And so I, I started trying that, and it made this huge difference because I had found a pace that was sustainable. And a lot of us in our goals, a lot of us in the things that we commit to, whether it's a New Year's resolution or a goal to, to lose weight or a goal to pay off debt, a lot of times where we struggle is we try to do too much at first and we don't create a sustainable pattern. But if we want to be faithful people, we have to run with perseverance. And so I believe that Hebrews shows us that, that we can, can do small things. We can do a little bit at a time in a sustainable way, in such a way that we'll be able to truly move forward in our faith. Now, the next part, I believe, is the true principle behind what the writer of Hebrews is trying to communicate about what it means to be faithful. In verse 2, the writer says this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. I believe that that focus on Jesus, that if we focus on Jesus instead of focusing on everything else going on around us, that's what sets us up for a faithful life. That's what sets us up for consistency in our life. That's what gives us that fruit of faithfulness. If we turn to Jesus, well, why turn to Jesus? It lays it out right there. He is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. He is the author of it. He is the one that has begun the faith within us, who has chosen to lay down his life for each one of us, so that we could have faith in God the Father. And he's also the perfecter. He's the one that brings it to completion, the one that will lead us and will guide us. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end of our faith. And so as we focus on Jesus, whose love does not fail, whose love is everlasting, then it becomes easier to be sustained, and to be consistent. And then the final thing the writer of Hebrews shares with us is to not give up. Don't give up. And this would have been a very important message to the original hearers of this letter. Because 
Most people believe that those that received this letter were facing a lot of persecution. They were facing a lot of opposition. And they were all struggling with their faith. Yet, the writer of Hebrews says, don't give up. Don't grow weary. How do you not grow weary? You keep your eyes on Jesus. Why shouldn't you give up? Because Jesus is the one we should focus on. Jesus is the one that gives us faith, that guides us in faith. And so this morning, as we begin this new year, I just want to challenge you to think about a couple of things this morning. If you have your message notes, uh, these questions are printed down at the bottom. The first question is this. What examples can you follow? What examples are models of good faith in your life that you can follow after, that you can live into, that you can glean different things from? There might be somebody who, whose faith you just really admire. And you may want to go to them this week and say, hey, what is it that you do each day to make your faith so strong? And, and use those good examples to shape who you are and to shape uh, your own faith. The second thing is to identify your roadblocks. In a few minutes, we're going to go into a time of communion. And part of what we're going to do in that time of celebrating communion together is we're going to have a time of confession. And, and when we voice that confession together, there's a part we read together, but then there's also a part where you're given time to reflect individually. There may be roadblocks within your own life. There may be sin that so easily entangles that you can use that opportunity to confess those to God and to set your heart and mind straight. And then the last thing is, what small things can you do to make your journey sustainable? What is something you can do so that you can run the race of faith with perseverance? And here, here's my hope for us in this message, is that if we all started doing something small that built our faith, imagine the impact that would have on our congregation. If we all started, for example, agreeing to read Scripture each day and to have our lives transformed by that, imagine the impact that would have on our, our small group ministry. Imagine the impact that would have in your own life. Imagine the impact that would have as we encounter people in the community, as we are rooted in Scripture. Uh, for some of you, it may be, as John alluded to earlier, it might be, okay, I may not be good enough to, to do something daily. I, I'm just not going to be that consistent. But, but one thing I can do is I can be here each week. Every Sunday for this year, I can make a commitment, unless I'm out of town for some reason, to be present in worship. For the growth of our church, it might be that you make a commitment to be faithful this year to inviting one person a month, one person a month to come and be a part of our worship experience and then getting them plugged into a small group and getting them plugged into opportunities to serve. Think about that. What small things can you do to make your journey sustainable? And what, what small things can we do as a church uh, from an individual perspective to help grow our faith in our community? And I believe as we come this morning to celebrate communion together, that the message is right there for us. That 
part of making this journey sustainable is focusing on Christ, is focusing on the one whose love does not fail. You may recall the scripture in Lamentations 3 that talks about how God's compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Jesus should be the source of our faith, and by focusing on Jesus, we can grow in our faith, and we can grow in what it means to be consistent in our lives. And so as we come to the table, uh, John's going to come and lead us in just a minute. I, I hope that you will reflect on the truth that's present here, the body and the blood of Christ, the one who did not shun the shame, but embrace the opportunity to lay down his life for us.